This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Join you every morning at 8am UK time. Thank you ever so much, everybody, for joining us. I hope you're doing good. I hope you're doing well. Thank you, everyone, for jumping live in the chat box as well. It is very much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, we... uh, we start our way along the uh, the long road of the international break, and uh, we hope that uh, it goes swiftly. We hope that we return to to action next week as soon as possible. But I have to say that I am, in some ways, thankful for this break for both selfish and unselfish reasons. Selfishly, I could do with this break. I just feel like a weekend off, which I have thankfully got, is uh, is certainly needed after the. The chaos and the uh, you know the the dramas of the season so far and kind of the the where we're at uh, as, as a fan base in some ways and our work is, is is always good to take a break from sometimes especially when you're just completely self kind of uh, committed to this. That said, we will still be doing the eight am. So don't you worry. But I'm also thankful because it gives a chance for players to rest, to recover, to come back for that Chelsea game fully fit and ready to go, which is obviously uh, a big plus. The likes of Saliba and uh, Trossard and Saka and Martinelli have all not travelled to their national sides because they are recovering from their own injuries. And hopefully Thomas Partey, whether he plays for Ghana or not, can also uh, get back fit as well. Good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Thank you for doing so. Matt G is still buzzing. Sabre, good morning to you. Blackshine, Olawale, Jimbo, uh, James, Barry, Phil, Stevie, Johnny, Arsenal Adventure, Steve, Rowan, Rob, Rich, uh, Shari, Glenn, Jalali, PJ, uh, PJ, Sandman, uh, Martin, Darren, Damian, Marcus, and plenty more of you guys as well. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. Um, Let's get on with our story, shall we? If you're new to the show, we do these every single day, 8 a.m. UK time. We have two parts. Part one, we round up all the news of the last 24 hours that I've seen. 
it's not always perfect because uh, I have a life, so sometimes things are missed. Um, but uh, we often catch up on those things that the chat box let me know that I have missed in part two, which we tackle the questions of the chat box to the best of my ability and theirs as well. Right, let's jump in, shall we? Uh, first of all, Arsenal haven't actually stopped playing football despite being the international break. Arsenal's under-21s featured yesterday in the EFL Trophy. Uh, they played against Exeter City, which, of course, are a senior side, not a, uh, a youth side. And Arsenal came out as 5-0 winners in the game. Probably the most interesting part of this game was that Cedric Suarez started the match. Cedric played the game. Uh, he's obviously been out of uh, senior action for quite some time. This isn't the first time that Cedric's been involved in under-21 football. Uh, he's played in it before and has asked to play in youth football so he can get more minutes on the field ahead of whatever he wants to do next, which I just find baffling that there wasn't more of kind of a push to try and find a way out uh, in the summer. And even though there was interest, it didn't materialise. It's on a very good amount of money, of course, at Arsenal, whether or not that played any part. But goals from Sago Jr., a couple from uh, Ferdinand and uh, Edwards got on the score sheet as well. Henry Francis Long also had a great uh, long-range strike that was ultimately deflected in. But yes, yeah, some fantastic performances from the Arsenal under-21s who continue forwards uh, in the, uh, the group area of the EFL trophy. So fantastic stuff. And uh, hopefully... Uh, we can see further development of these young stars and who knows what will happen moving forwards with their futures. Uh, Sevilla have appointed a brand new manager. Mendilibar was sacked and Diego Alonso has taken the place of the manager. Of course, um, Arsenal do face Sevilla uh, as early as I think uh, a week after next, actually. I mean, two weeks today. Uh, Arsenal will be playing against Sevilla in the Champions League group stage. I can't say I know too much about Diego Alonso. He's managed a number of teams. He's most recently the Uruguay manager between the 21, uh, 2021 and 2023. Previous to that, he wasn't at many, too many high-profile jobs into Miami, Monterrey, Pachuca, uh, Olympia, Penarol, uh, lots of South American uh, work. He's never worked in uh, Europe before, so this is a very interesting opportunity. Um, for Diego Alonso to see what indeed he can do with this severe team, who have been obviously performing pretty darn poorly in La Liga. They were poor towards the end of last season, and they've continued that. Uh, they currently uh, sit 14th in the table, two wins, two draws, four defeats. They have managed to kind of take themselves a little bit away from the relegation zone, but they're still only two points of Celta Vigo, another very decent La Liga side who are currently 18th. And below them is Villarreal, who sit in 16th, formerly Unai Emery's team, of course. They are on eight points, the same as Sevilla. So it's very interesting indeed to see what happens with Sevilla. Will they get a new manager bounce? I guess we will have to wait and see. Now, Gabriel Jesus has been speaking with the Brazilian national side, and he was asked about his um, kind of positioning at Arsenal. And it was a very good answer, I think, that he gave, and one that should be encouraging to Arsenal fans. Uh, he says, it's worth pointing out that I've been playing a lot of roles at Arsenal. Obviously, when I chose to move from City to Arsenal, Edu and Arteta spoke to me, and I made it clear that I'd like to play at number nine. That was Arsenal's idea for me to play nine, and uh, in kind of a loose way. Uh, this season has been different. We've had injuries, and in the last few games, I've played uh, three up front in terms of the three different positions. Uh, for a while, uh, I thought I'd just say I wanted to play nine, but I'm here to help the team. I'm blessed by God to have this talent and the versatility to play in all three positions. I prefer 
not to choose? And I think this is a great answer from Jesus. Uh, and really good to hear him to talk about the, you know, he's not as kind of blinkered to the idea of only playing at the number nine position. And he's kind of accepted that the talent that he has to play in these multiple positions should be used as a uh, as a benefit, I think, uh, to the player so, and, and to the team, most importantly. So really good answer, really good to hear from Gabriel Jesus talk about the fact that, um, you know, that he's uh, playing in these different roles and that he's using them to Arsenal's benefit and that he's not married just to the idea of playing as a central striker. So, yes, yeah, some really, um, really important uh, words, I think, to, to take on board about his position. Uh, now, other big news for those based here in the UK and Ireland is that uh, both, uh, all of the nations uh, involved uh, in the UK and Ireland, of course, will indeed be the hosts of Euro 2028, which means that the likes of Bakaya Saka, who by that time will be, wait for this, 27 years old. Can you imagine Bakaya Saka and Gabriel Martinelli as 27-year-olds? I can't. I feel like they've been kids forever. The idea of them growing up and getting a mortgage seems a little bit strange. They probably already got one, to be fair. Actually, no, let's be honest. They definitely don't have a mortgage. <laughs> they do not need to pay for a mortgage. But uh, certainly in the case of, of these guys, seeing them at the age of 27 is just, yeah, kind of mad. Um, but, yeah, we will have a home uh, tournaments here uh, in our home nations and Ireland uh, to host that. Uh, the Emirates is not expected to be a stadium that will be involved in the roster, which I'm not particularly surprised about. It's rather outdated. It's now the Emirates and we've not done enough to update the insides of it and replace some of the infrastructure yet. More work does need to be done, but especially when you've got the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I don't like the fact that it's their stadium, but you have to admit from an unbiased perspective, it is probably the best stadium in the country, maybe even in Europe. And then you've got the likes of Wembley alongside that, which is also a very good stadium. Also, um, you expect uh, Liverpool or Zanfield. We expect Manchester United's ground Old Trafford to be involved. Um, we expect that uh, obviously some of the big stadiums in Northern Ireland and Ireland and Scotland and Wales will also be used um, to, to host some of the fixtures as well. But uh, it's interesting. Certainly in my lifetime, I've never had a tournament hosted uh, exclusively in UK and Ireland. Obviously, we did have the Euros and the, a lot of the, the games held at, um, in Scotland and, and at Wembley as well. So there is there has been that. And I have actually been to a European game at Wembley. I went to see Austria against Italy um, in that tournament. But it's very different to have it hosted. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Etihad, sorry, Alex, you're right. It would You'd imagine probably be the Etihad over Old Trafford, but uh, it's the more well-equipped stadium. Uh, Old Trafford, very old stadium indeed. It is, I'm not looking forward to going there later on this season when Arsenal travel up. It is not comfortable in that very, very tight press box. Um, now, our headline story, uh, Team News and Ticks, which of course are a fantastic outlet and for kind of some inside stories around the club and very well connected indeed, um, released a bit of an update on kind of a lot of different topics that I thought I'd read through with you. You can find them on Twitter at Team News and Ticks. That's T-I-X uh, at on Twitter or X, I should say. Um, I'll read you the full post. This is a quick update on Arsenal, a lot of which might already be known. Arsenal were pissed off with the leak, so Saka travelled with the squad as a decoy. He was never in contention and was interesting to see how many fake leaks slash teams there were. Uh, Arsenal also told England Saka would be available for one of the games due to Ghana leaking Partey's injury last time, and that's why England wanted to assess Saka themselves 
yesterday. Uh, Saliba has been carrying an injury for a while and was made worse against Tottenham, but he was wanted uh, to play since and rumours that he has played with the injection on Sunday, but I'm not 100% sure if that's true. Shouldn't be a long-term issue. Arsenal are interested in Pedro Neto, as they have been for a long time, but basically all the talk at the moment, it's coming from George Mendes. I don't think we have taken any action on an attempt to get him recently, but Mendes is telling absolutely everyone that we have. Uh, I'll be getting an update on Tony, but last I heard, it was more coming from his agent's side at his wish than coming from us. But I'll chase to see if that has changed. Um, as I say, TNAT is very well connected and worth always discussing some of the insights that they produce. Um I've been obviously telling you for quite some time that the Pedro Neto story is, is certainly true and Arsenal's interest in him is genuine. Um, whether or not we will indeed see a move for him in January remains to be seen. He's going to cost a lot of money. Wolves with what a significant amount of money. Uh, the Tony situation, I'm quite glad to hear that obviously that and all the noise is really coming from his agent side. We've seen so many reports suggest that Arsenal are very interested. Certainly we here have not been saying that Arsenal's interest is very, very strong. We've only reported what has been out and discussed what has been out and made out by other outlets. But it's good to hear that when you do hear from some very well-connected sources in the case of TNAT, that um, that, that is very much agent-driven, the, tr- the Tony thing. So I'm hoping, you know me, you know my view on the Ivan Tony situation, I'm hoping that that's not the striker that Arsenal end up moving for um, and that we go for a different option instead. I'd love to see Pedro Neto however, be brought into Arsenal. I think that'd be a really interesting signing for Arsenal to make, um, to add some real competition in multiple positions up top. Certainly the interest from Arsenal side is to bring in versatility and uh, and Neto would certainly offer that as well. Let's move to part two and your questions right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, uh, let's go to the chat box. Tell me, says Tom, is your second name Segway? No, it's Canton. Um, <laughs> but uh, it might be my middle name. <laughs> so I'm getting better at them. Uh, King Cobra Kai says, with Havertz regaining his confidence slowly, can you say that we will be seeing prime Dennis Bergkamp very soon? Uh, oh, without a doubt. I would be expecting a Bergkamp-esque performance from Havertz any day now um, because that would be a realistic expectation. <laughs> Look, we need to give the guy time continually. He's allowing this season to transition. We're allowing him the opportunity to 
you know, get into a situation whereby he can play his best football, he can feel comfortable, he can learn his teammates, he can learn the system. And I think that when he came on against Manchester City, obviously the contribution that he made in that game was really, really important. So, yeah, I'm very happy with how things are, are progressing slowly. Uh, Shiv says, any Timber updates? Nice Eric Prids photo there, by the way. Um, but uh, Timber, there's not really any update to give, to be honest, because... Um, when it comes to when it comes to the idea of an ACL problem, you are very rarely going to get any kind of benefit, uh, early updates, uh, progressive kind of ahead of schedule line until much further down the development of the rehabil uh, rehabilitation. The expectation has always been seven to nine months, and that has continued to be the bracket that we will work in. So between March and May, sometime between those months is when the expectation of, of Timber's return will be. So we can keep asking for updates, but that is the reality of Yuri and Timber, is that he will not be back until at least March to May time. Uh, hopefully there's a, a, a head of schedule news in maybe the early new year, but I doubt it'll be any time before that. Uh, Cody says, how good is that Saka and Martinelli are getting a good rest for the Chelsea game and returning for the Champions League as well? They're going to be blitzing on their return. Cody, it's absolutely fantastic, and I cannot cannot wait uh, to see those two play with Jesus as a front three. Arsenal haven't played their best 11 so far this season. We have not realised our full potential, let alone in coaching and philosophy and style, but also in selection. We have not seen that yet, and yet we're still joint top of the table. Uh, Yasin says, Tom really doesn't want Tony. Uh, personally, I would love him and don't see a move for him stopping us going big in the summer, especially with Jesus' versatility as mentioned in the beginning of the show. I do, personally. I think that it would stop Arsenal from going for a centre-forward if Arsenal signed Tony. I think that would be the signing that Arsenal would make at centre-forward. They see Jesus as a number nine above the other positions, and they'd like to bring a player in in those other positions in wide areas that would prevent Jesus from becoming more of an option in those areas and be more exclusively a centre-forward. So I'm afraid to burst your bubble there, Yassin, but it would sadly prevent us from going for another centre-forward if we just invested 60 to 80 million in Ivan Tony. Um, Anza says, I'm really not down for the Neto deal as I feel like Jesus offers more than enough on the right wing. I'd rather we invest in a striker, but not after we could have given Havertz a good run. Interesting. Um, I think that Jesus has shown that on the right, he can be a real asset. On the left, not so much, but certainly on the right, I think that uh, Jesus offers us plenty. Uh, Aware says, uh, hey, Tom, uh, did you see the nutmeg of Doku by Ben White? I did, and it was absolutely glorious. Um, almost as good as a Ben White screamer. It really, really was. Uh, Legend says, we are not creating much in terms of chances. What is the point in bringing in a striker without a creative player, especially on that number eight position? Um, I don't think it's necessarily about personnel, to be honest. I don't think it's necessarily about personnel um, in the sense of that we need to bring in more players to up the chance creation. I think that this team are evolving. I think this team are growing and learning to play slightly differently, to be harder to beat. And last season, we scored plenty of goals. We scored more goals than we've ever scored in the Premier League season, for sure. Do I think we'll match that this season? We might not. Do I think we might concede fewer this season? Yes, I do. I do think we will concede fewer goals this season than we did last season. And as the cliche goes, goals win games, but defences win titles. And yes, chance creation needs to improve. And it will, I think. You know, we've, as I said just a few minutes ago, I don't think we have played um, with our best 11. I don't think we've played too many games with Jesus, Saka and Martinelli, if any yet. Uh, I don't think we've been able to play 
with uh, Odegaard, Rice and Partey as a midfield three, which will offer us greater foundations to create more chances. People say, well, Rice isn't a big chance creator and neither's Partey. So if you put both of them in over a Havertz or a Vieira, surely you're not going to create as many chances. But actually, what you're going to do is you're going to create a better foundation to build from. You're going to create uh, an environment where you've got more of the ball. And so naturally, you should be creating more opportunities. But I think the way in which we're growing as a team, the way in which we're evolving as a team, you know, has got to gradually get us to the point where we are still creating more chances, but we haven't had the best 11 available to us yet. And I think that certainly is an option. Um, Dara says, Tom, why is there 810 people watching, but only 89 likes? Come on, people, smash the like button. Um, I don't know, Dara, uh, but I'm glad that you've asked the question. If you could, that'd be great. Just show your appreciation. I do these shows every single day at 8 a.m., even when I'm on holiday um so yeah please do it takes you just a second and it really does make a difference if everybody watched this show press the like button sometimes we'd have 10k likes but i can't expect that but if we can hit 1k likes on a video it is always a great achievement so thank you to everybody that does that um jesus's left legs is tom at the start of the season if timber never got injured do you think that he would have gone straight into the starting 11 and whose place would he have taken yeah i think he would have done and i think maybe we might have seen him take a couple of players. I think maybe Zinchenko would have found it harder to get into the team. I think that Ben White may have found it harder to get into the team in some games on the right. I would have certainly considered the idea that maybe he would have played defensive midfield in some games and we would have seen Rice and Timber partner together. Then that might have been something that we could have seen. He is so versatile and so technically gifted that I think there is scope to see Timber play in a multitude of positions, including into midfield. So good, so adept in what he does that I think he can play in multiple positions, uh, including different areas of the field as well. Uh, Tizer says, uh, morning, Tom. Morning, mate. Um, who would you go for as cover from right wing and striker? When Partey and Jorginho are both in their 30s, what young defensive DM have you got your eye on? Well, I, I've, I've brought up Yusuf Fafana. I think he's the guy that I'd like to see Arsenal sign in midfield. Of course, there's other players like uh, Kone, um, and uh, Turan, Catherine Turan again, as well as another exciting player. So there is some exciting midfielders in terms of the wingers, though. You know, I'd like Neto. I think he's a really, really good option for Arsenal to go for. Premier League proven already, of course, as well. Centre forwards, I've kind of want to wait to the summer to see who's available, but I've got my eye on Benjamin Sesco, of course, um, and Santiago Jimenez at final as well as another player that you should be keeping your eyes on. I'm more in favour of Arsenal going for a younger option that I think has got a higher ceiling that can become a better player than Tony and et cetera is now. That's really important. Uh, Philip says, Tom, how was the off-menu live podcast? I'm going to it on Thursday in Bristol. Uh, you're going to have a great time, Philip. Uh, it was a fantastic uh, show. And uh, we had Matt Bainton was our guest who people might know. He does a show called Ghosts at the moment, um, but you might know him also from Gavin and Stacey where he plays Dino uh, in that. Uh, he's a very funny character. Um, but uh, it was very good, very funny, and uh, you're going to have a great time. So uh, enjoy it. Uh, Rowan says, hey, Tom, what's your thoughts on the comments made by Howard Webb in the Kovacic red card other than the lack thereof? You know, he talked about the fact that he felt that Michael Oliver didn't want to kind of ruin the game is basically what he alluded to. He didn't want to make a rash decision, but I don't care. I want to see referees make the right decisions. Whether they're rash, it doesn't matter how rash they are as long as you're getting them right. And I find it very, very odd that it's... I loved, by the way, David Ornstein spoke on Sky and I, I really enjoyed David Ornstein's assessment of the situation. 
he was very honest and he was very blunt in his description of the officiating. And he said that there are too many apologies, which I absolutely agree with. He said, if you listen to the accents of the officials when you're listening into those conversations, you can tell that the accents of those referees are all from a very similar area. And that, frankly, the diversity of officials is not good enough. Now, it's very quickly for someone to turn around and say, it doesn't matter about the diversity. I want the best people for the job. And look, I empathize to a degree with the point of view. But the problem is, is that you can't get the best people for the job if you don't widen the opportunity to a larger group of people. To find the best of the best, you've got to go for the biggest pool of people to try and you know develop and um, to coach the best referees possible. And at the moment, it is a very, very small group of people with some anomalies, you know, like Jared Gillett, for instance, who come over from Australia. You know, uh, David Ornstein, I thought, summed it up fantastically well on Sky, um, talking about a reaction to what Howard Webb. But, yeah, it, I, what more can I say about what's being said already, Rowan? You know, it really is frustrating to hear and to see um, just mistakes being made on a too consistent a basis and it needs to be improved. And I think to do that, we need to bring in a third party to, to run the VAR because it is too pally, it's too friendly, it's too protective of one another. We need people who are going to take ownership of the VAR and it needs to be third parties. Should it be former players? I don't know. I think I'd need to think harder about that because I think that with former players comes allegiances. Um, and I think it, it needs to be something separate. But yeah, I don't know how they would do it, but I think it needs to be a third party review when it comes to VAR. Uh, Samuel says, Tom, I heard to a Tottenham fan on TalkSport say that they were only a midfielder and defender away from being miles ahead of Arsenal in terms of quality. What do you say to that? Bollocks. That's <laughs> what I say to that. Uh, Omar says, uh, doing this show for such a long time, has this affected your personal life as well? Not sure if this has given you a habit of having the last word. Uh, is it funny for me somehow? Um no, I think um, what I will say is that I've had recently uh, people leave comments and I had one on Harry's show, um, was it yesterday? No, day before yesterday, I went on Harry's show and someone left a comment that hit me a little bit harder than I thought it was going to, um, if I'm very, very honest. Let me read it. Um, I'll give the person the benefit. Uh, here we go. So, so this is a comment on Harry's channel from at Above and Beyond KCT, who says, uh, I've loved watching your show for years, speaking to Harry, um, been with you since just about the beginning. And largely, I've been a big fan of Tom's as well since he broke into this medium. However, his attitude and or demeanor has kind of changed in the last six months to the year. He's become almost abrasive and dismissive of points he doesn't agree with and then writes off any challenges by contemptuously stating Anyone has the opportunity to come on here and prove your point. What irks me isn't exactly what he says, but his expressions in saying it. The Tony conversation, for example, he almost comes off as mocking the fans who like Tony as if he wouldn't be a significant upgrade to this side. And you're a fool if you want him in the squad. Um, so I understand to a degree that people will maybe not like how I can be dismissive and i'll take that on board i'll take that criticism on board what i would say is that i think in relating back to your question omar is that i've done this show since 2016 we've done this 8 a.m show for the last two to three years and with doing a show every single day and with being in this environment does come 
a lot of hate, a lot of criticism, a lot of trolling, a lot of people that are just trying to get a reaction from you. And I think over the period of time, that does create an environment where you have to harden to some degree and that you have to build up something of a thicker skin to deal with that environment. And I think that maybe in that process of trying to build a thicker skin to become less sensitive to people that are just trying to spark a reaction from you, it might make me more abrasive. And it probably has to some degree made me more abrasive. What I disagree with in this comment is the suggestions that I'm calling people fools who want Tony, that I have mocked people that want Tony. Now, I always ask for examples from people whenever they leave these kind of accusations. And in this situation, I did leave a comment asking for an example. And that was 14 hours ago. And after some pretty regular responses prior to that, there was then no reply after I asked for an example of where I have either mocked somebody um, or, you know, in the case of this, called them a fool. So I'm assuming that there wasn't an example because it was 14 hours ago and I did, you know. I see in the chat, Izzy says, you don't have to respond to that. I know I don't, Izzy. I, I know I don't have to respond to stuff like this, but I feel as though that there is an element of me. I should take responsibility for people who feel as though that they've watched the channel, enjoyed things in the past, and then they don't enjoy it anymore because either I've changed or my approach to things has changed. What I would say is I think that I have a right to stand by my opinion until I feel it's proven wrong. I always try and encourage people to come on the show that have different viewpoints to me. Yes, I know I can do it in quite a sarcastic way sometimes because I have ultimately got to a position where I know they're not going to come on. You know, I it's very, I think we've had one, maybe two callers that were in a chat box uh, or in a comment section that were quite trolly and abusive and still came on, but didn't really do anything. Um, <laughs> it's, it is what it is. If you want, Ivan Tony at Arsenal, you're entitled to that view. I don't agree with it. And I think I've got a solid argument to, to defend my own position on why I don't. And I encourage people to have a debate with me on that. And if you think you've got a point that would prove me wrong, I'm more than welcome to discuss that. But I do feel as though that my view on the Tony situation is pretty strong considering the amount of non-penalty goals he scored, the amount of money that it would cost the issues that we've had in the past, not the betting stuff, the separate related things to do with like the online videos that we've seen regarding his attitude and how he's spoken about Brentford. And also the fact that I personally would like to see us bring in a younger striker that's got a higher ceiling if we're going to invest a huge amount of money in that position. Because for me, I don't think he's enough of an upgrade, if at all, on Gabriel Jesus. Now, I don't think that that's dismissive in a way that is calling somebody a fool or mocking them. But I can understand maybe that some people don't, like it when some an opinion they hold quite strongly is dismissed as quickly as brashly but that's the way i work i i work in examples i work in stats i work in facts i work in that sense and i know a lot of people like to say well the eye test and things like this and look i think the eye test is certainly relevant to a, a degree but also the eye test is very biased towards what you see and your eyes will miss things and i often lean on stats to help me see the things that i've missed um, and uh, whilst I think that Tony is a, a good striker and certainly a Premier League level striker that will score you plenty of goals, I just think that Arsenal need to aim for something better. And I think maybe, maybe people conflate the idea that I don't want Tony with me calling him a player that's not very good. That's not the situation. Don't take it that way. I think Tony is a, a good, a very good striker. I just think that Arsenal should be aiming higher. And I remember I did that show where I did the ironic kind of view of raise your standards. That was an ironic skit effectively on the people that have asked me to raise my standards 
about Mikel Arteta and that I should want someone better than Mikel Arteta and I apparently need to raise my standards. And I then conflated that into the irony of the of the Tony argument and saying, you should raise your standards. I look for a better striker than him, which I thought was funny. And I still think it's quite funny. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I-, I wanted to address that because I think it's important to address um, criticism. You know, I'm not beyond it. I have been wrong in the past. I have been wrong about loads of things. And I feel as though I've admitted it. This does sadly put you into a position where some people then start you accusing you of what's called virtue signaling, as I've come to understand, where you effectively put yourself into a position whereby you try and make yourself out to be some moral god. Uh, Again, certainly not what I'm aiming to do. If I die and people think that I've just been a nice bloke, happy days. You know, that's all I'd want from my life. But uh, yeah, certainly <laughs> it, it's got a lot deeper. Uh, Abrea says, Tom, it's your channel. You can be whatever you want to be and say whatever you want to say. Well, to a degree, I'd never say that anyone can say what they want, regardless of scrutiny. I always say freedom of, freedom of speech, yes, but freedom from scrutiny, no. You know, people should be scrutinized for the things that they say if it is worthy of scrutiny. But you should feel like that you can put across your opinion if it is respectful and done in a non-abusive way, always. So, yeah, I agree with you to an extent. um, And I know where you were coming from. And it wasn't as deep as I've just made it out to be there. But I always think it's important to say that freedom of speech is not the same as freedom from scrutiny. And it shouldn't ever be forgotten that that is the case. Kurt says, Tom, you always said Tony was not for you. It sounded more personal than skill-based. I don't know how saying that a player is not for me suddenly makes it personal, when alongside that, I I have said multiple times and applied examples like statistics and comparative player options. So, Kurt, could open your mind to a second and just think, could could you have made a mistake in thinking that it wasn't personal? And in reality, it wasn't. So I would ask you to consider that. I'm telling you, it certainly isn't personal. I've got nothing personal against Ivan Tony, as I've said a number of times. I think he's a good striker, a very good striker. I just think Arsenal should and be and can get better. But there are things that in, are in his past that I have highlighted that are off the pitch that do irk me, you know. And I don't think that's personal. If it was personal, it would be like that would overtake everything else. But that's a side thing to the main reasons why I don't want Tony, which are all football related. It is purely a side thing that I don't particularly like the attitude and the instances or incidents that have happened in the past. So I would recommend, Kurt, that just, you know, consider for a second that you might be wrong about that, because I'm telling you, it is 99%. There is like 1%, which is like a little side thing about the attitude in the past incidents. 99% of the view and the opinion that I've built that I would rather have somebody else than Tony is from the on-field stuff. So whilst I've brought up the off-field stuff, it is the on-field stuff that is the primary driving force behind my view that I would want someone else. So I hope that has cleared that one up. Uh, Praktika says, I reckon Arteta would look at players' personalities and I I don't see him buying someone who's done what Tony has done off the pitch. I don't know. I honestly don't know if, if if those incidents would rule it out. Can Arteta overlook some of those things from the past and still sign a player? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Um, so, yeah, let's wait and see what happens. 
Um, Thomas says, Tom, you have always said if we did get in that you would support him. So it can't, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah. And this is the thing is that even if I, if we sign a player that I don't necessarily, that I'm not wildly on board with, like the Kai Havertz thing, at the start of the Kai Havertz links, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, that's a bit of a risk. That is a really big risk. I'm intrigued by it and to a degree excited about it, but I'm not sure about this. However, I want the guy to succeed. I want the guy to prove me and others wrong about the doubts that we've had, the concerns that we've had. And that's all that you can do. That is all that you can do as a fan is that if you don't agree with a player being signed, it is your job as a fan. It is the definition of a supporter to support that player in their success. If it means more to you that you're proven right, that they weren't the right signing for Arsenal, over being proven wrong and them succeeding and subsequently Arsenal succeeding. That's not the behaviour of a fan, by definition. If your opinion means more than the success of your club, that's not the behaviour of a fan, in my view. Uh, it just, it, it just does, it just, it's a contradiction. It's a hypocrisy. So you should always, whether or not you wanted a player to be signed, hope that they succeed because that will mean that Arsenal succeed. I hope that makes sense. Uh, Jeff says, Tom, I love your content, although I do think Ivan Tony would be a good upgrade on our front line. Regards, Jeff. I think that Jeff, um, he would be an upgrade on Eddie Nketiah. You know, I think to a degree he would be an upgrade on Eddie Nketiah. I don't think it'd be, a, ironically, I don't think he'd be a massive upgrade. I think he's an upgrade in certain aspects. But as I have pointed out, I do think that Eddie Nketiah would score a similar amount of goals to Tony if he was starting as many games in that Brentford team. I would back him to get over 10 non-penalty goals for Brentford in a season. I really would. You know, last season, Tony got 14 non-penalty goals. I'd back Nketiah to score 10-plus non-penalty goals for Brentford in that team if the system was the same as it is where it's kind of really focused in on um, in on Tony like it would be if Nketiah was there. So I think it would be a, a bit of an upgrade for sure, yeah, on Nketiah and therefore our front line. But I think that we can get better, Jeff. I think we can go better. And I think that we should be aiming to upgrade on Jesus, not be aiming to upgrade on Enketia. Because Jesus is the Enketia upgrade. And then you upgrade Jesus and you've got this knock-on effect that is even more beneficial for us. So again, I hope that makes sense. Um, Jesus' left leg says, what is it with all the Tony fanboys? Honestly, it's a little bit disturbing. I don't know about that. A lot of people really like Ivan Tony, And look, I've had a lots of debates with like Potsy, for instance, and Potsy's a big fan of, of Tony and would love to see Arsenal sign him. And I do empathise with a lot of the viewpoints that, that he brings up about the striker because he does offer something different to what we've already got. He does offer you Premier League guaranteed goals. I just don't know necessarily whether he fits into this system. And I think a striker like Jesus is the perfect centre-forward for what Arteta wants from a team. Tony is very different to that. And maybe we would see the same problems that Nketiah has that we see in Tony, you know? Tony's not a striker that I look at and go, yeah, he is a very collaborative forward as much as he is a finisher. For me, he is a far more finisher, classic number nine, traditional striker than Jesus. And I think the Jesus is in the, as Dave says here, the Roberto Firmino types of centre forwards of this world would maybe be better. That said, Benjamin Sesco is not necessarily that. And there is, I suppose, a slight contradiction there and maybe looking to a profile like him and thinking, well, if you think Jesus is the most stylistically perfect player, 
why do you want Sesco? And I think it's for me, as I've said before, I think it's just about seeing a player like Sesco's development. Santiago Jimenez, however, is one to fight at final that you should keep an eye on. And he's a very exciting player. So I think there is options and we should just keep our options open unless you're getting like an absolute elite level, like a Victor Ozymen, for instance. And if that option is there, you know, take it because I think it would level things up. And I think he can still also contribute outside of just finishing. Um, Damien says, I've only joined the channel for a couple of months ago and I enjoy it. Thanks, mate. I would say I felt like you were harsh on some people's comments, to be fair. You are addressing it now and it shows that you don't wish to be dismissive. I spe- you know, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm not perfect. And sometimes if I read a person's comment, there is also something of a frustration sometimes where like, I think you've addressed... What I don't sometimes take into account is that some people don't watch the show every day the way I do the show every day in the sense that I'll be pretty aware of things that I've said day after day after day, but some person might drop in for one show a week or one show a month and then they leave a comment that's been discussed in the previous four or five shows that I've kind of addressed at length and then it's like, I kind of discussed this, you know, but they've not heard me do that and so maybe I'm not empathetic enough to that situation. But uh, yeah, as I said, I'm not perfect. Uh, and if I've dismissed y- your comments, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but what I would say is that if I've dismissed it and I've provided you with a fair amount of evidence, I'm not sorry because I do think that it is fair to defend your point of view with evidence and explanation. If I dismissed, if I dismissed it offhand with a kind of a brash, one-off kind of short comment, then sure, I could have been better. But I feel like if I've given plenty of evidence as I have in the Tony situation, I think I'm entitled to you know, dismiss uh, an argument if I've kind of argued against it. Um, Ollie says, hey, Tom, I'm fine with having Jesus and Havertz as our two centre forward options. Sell Eddie and get a proper top class left centre mid. And this is why the idea of me, Olu, having Yusuf Fafana in my mind is, is really there because I think Yusuf Fafana would offer Arsenal a lot in midfield. I think he would Arsenal a lot, offer, offer Arsenal a lot of versatility, quality, movement, dynamism forward thinking, defensive cover. He's really versatile. He's really, really good in both boxes um, and both defense, sorry, both uh, thirds at each end of the field. I think he's really strong. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, Mpemlelo, uh, sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly, uh, says, what are your final predictions for the season and league positions and the cups? Oh, that's a big question. Um, a really big question. I'd love to see Arsenal win it. I still think Man City will be too strong in the end, but I'd love to see us win it. Champions League, we've got a real chance. But again, my predictions will always be Man City until they're knocked out. The League Cup is very interesting. The League Cup is really, really interesting because City out of it, I don't know what Arsenal are going to do. I'm not a big, you know, I'm not like wildly obsessed with the cup competition. I know some people are really, really hyping the idea of us winning it. I, I see the benefits. I see the drawbacks of it. They're really plain in sight. Um, and if we win it, I'll be delighted. If we get knocked out, I'm not wildly fussed. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Dwayne, yes, it is the Fafana from Monaco, uh, indeed. Um, Feluso, Feluso says, uh, this is uh, this is as uh, YouTube. You either find yourself repeating and defending yourself a lot or ignoring people's comments a lot. Either way, you cannot satisfy everyone in your audience. And I think that's one of my biggest failings is that I try to. I too often try to please everybody. I too often reply to comments I shouldn't reply to. And that's not just on YouTube, but that's on Twitter. I do struggle with criticism. It's, you know, I I take it on board, but it's, it's not easy when it's like, you know, when I was a teacher, 
and I was first starting out in teaching, the my mentor who has become a very, very good and close friend of mine now, you know, knew immediately that I wasn't going to take criticism too well because I have a lot of self-confidence because when I was a, when I was a lot younger, I was really shy, um, certainly went through in primary school, uh, plenty of bullying and that sadly really dented my personal confidence and self-belief and I had a bit of a moment when I was in my teenage years to go, you know, I'm not going to take this BS anymore. I'm going to stand up for myself. I'm going to back myself and it's the best thing I ever did. That kind of conversation with yourself was the best thing I ever did to then put myself into a position where I would be more confident. I'd jump on podcasts. I'd run a podcast. I'd go into some presenting. I'd go into writing. I'd back myself to quit my job and chase something that I wanted to do. Um, But I still do struggle with it, especially when it comes to like a YouTube or a social media side of things that is a barrage of comments of people that hide behind faceless avatars and random names. Um, Now, some people have faceless accounts and, you know, um, what's the word? What's the word when you've got kind of an alter ego name? I can't think of what it's called. Um, Someone will throw it into the chat box. When you've got kind of a a name that represents you that's not you, some people are fine. That's fine. You know, and and, and they leave very fine comments. They don't want to put their identity out there. But it is hard to take, you know, that from you know, faceless people on, on social media. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's very, very, very difficult uh, in somebody. Not not a parody, Temi. I'm trying to think of another word of what I'm thinking of. Uh, alias. Yes, thank you. Arsenal Adventure and Ben. An alias. Yes. When someone's got like a different alias online um, and it's behind like a faceless image and a name that's not what they are. Uh, Arsenal Adventure, for instance, you know, that, that's not your name, um, but it's your alias online. And some people like yourself are very supportive, but some people come from similar accounts with similar names and are very, very uh, insulting and trolling. And to be honest, just trying to wind you up, just looking for a reaction. That happened on Dan uh, and Harry's channels in comments. And I'm an idiot because I respond to it because I'm human, you know, and I can't help that. But it is the reality. And I have to accept who I am. And that is who I am. And I'm never going to be perfect. And I'm always going to bite back. You know, I am a dream for a WhatsApp group because I bite to everything. Like when we drew against Fulham, me and judges went back and forth in our WhatsApp group. Like, and I shouldn't have bit back so much. And uh, the other day as well, uh, we have a chat with me, judges, Potsy, Harry, and Sophie. And when Madison score no got another assist for spurs and <laughs> madison got another goal contribution and dan's in there like oh another another goal contribution for madison you know and i'm like dan shut up bro <laughs> like our spurs have just won stop celebrating the fact that madison's doing well and we didn't sign him just because it's the view of it and it really winds me up and he knows it winds me up that's why he does it um, and I love him to pieces, but you know, oh goodness me, <laughs> it's just so frustrating, so frustrating. Um, Kurt says, Tom, you never read my positive messages or comments that I agree with you on. <laughs> Probably not, Kurt, because uh, it's it's it will be completely coincidental. Um, and it's probably a really unfortunate coincidence that that happens. But because there's 880 people watching now, I remember doing this show back when we would have like 30, 40, 50 people. And I'm sure that those people, uh, if you were in those 30, 40, 50s that would tune into live shows, we used to do Sunday podcasts and that was it on the channel. I'd have a theory, I'd have a, a few 
people jump on and we do one podcast a week and now we do one every day and there's hundreds of people that tune in and i'm very very blessed and very very thankful to everybody that does continue to tune in but it does mean that i will miss things and it does mean that i will miss some comments and i can only apologize for that vivian says tom you're very sensitive you uh, yes yes i am yes i am i am very sensitive um i can't help it uh, it's yeah it's probably a child i don't know why i'm treating this as a therapy session for me this morning this is great I, I you know me i like talking about this sort of stuff with you guys um but i am treating this as a as a sensitive uh you know I, I am and i when i at the end of the time that i was teaching you know i i the, one of the best things i ever did was was get a, an online therapist for a few weeks and it was it tied in with the period in which i got my new job best thing one of the best things i've ever done i wouldn't say the best thing i've ever done but certainly one of the best things i've ever done if you ever find yourself in a position whereby you're you know you've got self-doubt or you're struggling for whatever reason there's some great services out there i'm sure elliot on vision can recommend you one <laughs> um but there are uh, plenty of of outlets out there to help you and i would absolutely recommend it uh louis says so tom when did this all start <laughs> You're not therapizing me. It's not going to happen. Uh, it's probably already happened, but there you go. Um, Mark says, Tom, have you seen reports of the online abuse that Zinchenko has suffered in some of the Arsenal fans for stating his solidarity with Israel over the Hamas attacks at the weekend uh, and took his account to private? Yes, of course, I didn't address this the other day uh, when someone asked me because I wasn't educated on the topic. I still need to learn more about this topic. I still need to learn more about this situation. All I can say is that I'm on the side of peace. And I'm on the side of of, uh, of conflict being resolved. And that's that's it for me. I just want to see, I don't want to see people killed. I don't want to see people um, in, in awful situations. And that's the side that I'm on. Um, and I would recommend doing education on that type of topic because, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's, for me sitting here doing an Arsenal channel, what am I going to contribute to this conversation? You know, um, go read it, go read about it, go learn about it, go, you know, before you make a, a, a quick opinion on a topic, go read every side of the argument, you know. So is what I would say. Just go and educate yourselves about it. But it's not for me to sit here and, and put my views across, you know. So um, because... I'm not. I'm not involved. I, I'm never going to experience that. So it's it's like how how why on earth would I impose my view on on anybody about it? Um, let's go to uh, let's go to uh, Izzy says you're better than me, Tom. When I'm getting uh, irked, I isolate myself and just bottle it up. Good on you for letting it out. Yeah, and goodness me, do I let it out? I I really do sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do like to bottle things up. Um, and certainly I've made the mistakes of doing that in past with relationships, with friendships, of bottling things up and ignoring things that, are, that I should be commenting on and, um, and making my feelings heard. I've definitely bottled things up in the past. And it's not a good thing to do. You shouldn't bottle things up. And I'm happy to talk to you guys about personal stuff that relates to me and that I can actually talk about rather than stuff like we just discussed there that I don't, I, I haven't got that personal link to, so can't put my own view on it. Um, but it's like, yeah, I, I just, I just hope that you appreciate the content that we um, 
uh, the, the, I really just, yeah, I just hope that you appreciate the content that we that I produce. That we, I say we, because it's 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 always great to get other people onto the channel, and I'm hopefully going to be joined by some people over the international break at some point. I am looking forward to my holiday. Uh, it's like a brief holiday. I'm going away with a few friends over the weekend, and I'm going to enjoy that. And it's going to be certainly so needed after the chaos at the start of this season. But thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for leaving your comments. Thank you for your criticisms. Uh, I will try to be better in taking them if they're put across in a respectful way, always. Um, but thank you to everyone. Uh, Temi says, what about a loan review? Uh, depending on time, the, the reason why we've not done a dedicated loan review this season is because they were incredibly time-consuming. It was really difficult getting a, like getting what we did last season, if you are new to the channel, is we did like a monthly loan update where we got experts to come on and talk about players like Brooke Norton Cuffey at Coventry uh, and Ben from the Marseille, who's fantastic and does some brilliant work for them, came on and talked about Pepe and Balogun at Roms, um, who I've finally been able to start pronouncing now that we don't talk about them. <laughs> um, and uh, also, we it was a really time-consuming video. Um and it was really difficult to do that video because you had to like, I was constantly reaching out to people to try and chase up to get video sent in um, and then put all the stats and the things together. And now with the job as it is, and now with Arsenal in the Champions League, and also I've got a life outside of Arsenal as well, it sadly became far too much of, um, it, it, it became far too much of a, a, a time-consuming issue. So, sadly, what we are going to do is we'll obviously always discuss the youth team and we'll always discuss the lone players in our new shows and we'll give you updates when there are updates to be had. So, there you go. Uh, Tony says, what's this? Attacker Tom. Hopefully, he doesn't go to his bathtub and cry after this. <laughs> Tony. Oh, dearie me. Um, Hussein says, what's happened to the weekly Arsenal Lounge videos? Uh, um, Shaheen's not in the UK at the moment, so he's not able to do the show from where he is. Lev is really busy. His his home life is really hectic, so he can't either. And if you haven't got Shaheen and Lev, we can't do the shows. Uh, I miss doing the shows. I love doing the shows with Mo and, and Lev and Shaheen. I really enjoyed it last season. I loved the, you know, the dynamic and the sense that we have different viewpoints and that Shaheen would challenge me on Erdegaard and then Erdegaard would go and make him look like an idiot. <laughs> you know, I loved the shows. They were great. And I hope to link up with those boys again at some point uh, in, the, in the future, near or far. But yeah, it's just, it's logistically, it's just not been able to be done. So there's no drama or anything like that. Uh, so sorry to disappoint anyone that was hoping for it. There's no drama. We still chat. We still have a group chat that we talk about things in, but we just aren't able to do the show at the moment, which is a shame, but um, it's reality and family life and, and stuff is, is far, far more important. Paul says, Tom, Sunday, did you get that Arsenal cheesecake? No, I didn't. There wasn't cheesecake. I nearly missed out on any of the desserts because so busy in the press lounge on on Sunday at the game. I've never seen the Arsenal press lounge so busy. It was so busy that I wasn't even in the press box. I was in the little overflow area, which is like you're in the fan seats with like a little screen in front of you and there's fans like around you. And I've got a lap. Imagine going to a game and you're sitting in your seat in the Emirates and you've got like a laptop on your lap and a screen in front of you. So that limits your space even more. That was me. So I'm typing like this in the stadium. Really, it was very difficult. And then when we scored, my laptop's in one hand in the air, my right hand's pumping the... Because I was with the fans, you get whipped up and you get caught when you're with the fans. But I had laptop in one hand, pumping the air in the other hand. <laughs> it was great. And then quickly writing, go! Like down in the uh, the match day blog. So, yeah, it was great. Um, but it was certainly 
a challenge. And I hope to return to the press box very soon for the Sheffield United game um, when that comes back around. But there you go. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate your time. Uh, drop a like, subscribe, all that lovely stuff. I'll be back tomorrow morning, of course, as always, with the next update. Um, but it's been a genuine pleasure. And uh, thank you for listening and tuning in and commenting and uh, sticking with me. So, yeah, really appreciate it. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90-plus minute. All your mates around, and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go, and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.